Um, so one of the things that hit me when I got to this church, that even though there weren't you know, vast numbers of people, the people that were here were deeply committed to loving well. And the, the phrase at that time, the kind of mission statement was learning to love well. And um, it, was really, it was really phenomenal to be with a group of people who took it seriously. And then we happened upon these, um, these end statements, which you have to get used to that language, right? These are the end statements. These are our aspirational statements, our inspirational, aspirational statements. And the way we live is the means to those ends. And so that's the kind of language that we use. And every week so far in these six weeks, we have gone through each and every one of the end statements. There's five of them. And today we're going to talk a little bit about kind of a practical way that these are expressed in our lives. But um, let's go through them. Let's go through them again. I, when I got here, like I said, I was so impressed that people believed that these were our identity and what we should be. So it begins like this, and you know, Crosswalk will be a community of belonging. And this is regardless of what anyone says anywhere else. Like, Crosswalk is a place where you can find home, where you can be loved and loved well, where you will be welcomed, where you will be hopefully grown and matured in the faith that we espouse and that we believe, that you will have a better understanding of who Jesus is and how Jesus loves you. This is really important no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter if you're from the Seventh-day Adventist world or not, it doesn't matter. No matter who you choose to love, you are here and we love you. That's important to know. Number two, Crosswalk will be a community where people learn and grow in an authentic relationship with God. There's two things important here. One is that this is our discipleship statement, right? We want you to be engaged in growing your faith, in maturing your faith. Right? We want you to be the kind of person who is not easily, easily um, swayed from what you believe about Jesus because you have maturely grown into that. But it also means that we're going to be honest about it. We know that being a person of faith is not always easy. It's, not, it's certainly not always perfect. We're not perfect. And sometimes it feels like our relationship with God is not perfect. We can speak to that. We can speak not only to what we want things to be, but we can speak to how things are really. We can speak to our doubts. We can speak to our questions. And if we don't do that, we are living a faith that we pretend or we hope we'll get to, but we don't actually live. So we're going to do that in um, authentic ways. Number three. Crosswalk will be relevant in living out the ways of Jesus in our time and place. Now, I said this last week in Chattanooga in this particular way, and I think it took them back a little bit, but it's important. I think I've said it here before. In five years, we will not be the same church that you see today. In 10 years, we will not be the same church that you see today. You see, the Holy Spirit is constantly on the move. It's like a, a river flowing. And, and even if you stand in the river, there's different water that rolls past you as it goes. And this is the same that is true in church. We're not going to institutionalize what crosswalk is. We're going to continue to be flexible and move with the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't do that, then we have what we've done is we've sacralized the way we do church or the things here or even the people. And we say, this is the only way it can be done. That's absolutely not true. God will move and we want to move with God. So this will be a different church in five years and in 10 years and in 20 years. And praise God for that. We don't want to become stone. We always want to be the wind and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Number four. Crosswalk will be a community that lives beyond herself by caring and advocating for the powerless, oppressed, and abandoned. This is how we serve people. 
And this is important to understand that we do Saturday morning the way that we do it because we know that on Thursday night we're called to even more ministry. And this is the driver, right? This gets people excited. This is a chance to worship together and to learn. But it's also uh, an organizational anchor point to launch us into ministry into the world. We do it here on Thursday night specifically as we've created systems of advocacy through clinics and through opportunities to serve our underserved community. This is how we serve people. This is important. Every one of our campuses is engaged in this work or else they wouldn't be a crosswalk campus. This is more important than the work we do on Saturday morning, however important that is. If God is not catalyzing us to move into the world and to protect and advocate for the powerless, oppressed, and abandoned, then we have forgotten one of the major missions of God. And number five, which Mike spoke to so greatly last week, Crosswalk will be a community that exemplifies servant leadership, which also means that we need to learn how to serve and be servants if we're going to lead in that way. It also leads us to a particular kind of, of excellence, I believe, because when you realize it's not about yourself, it's not about position, it's not about power, you realize that you can submit yourself to, to the, the direction that God is taking an organization, and that leads into a greater excellence because you're not doing it for yourself. And, you know, we will all be comfortable with good enough, but God isn't. God is not a good enough God. God is a great God, and it moves us towards greatness and towards excellence. So those are our end statements. You've heard them now for six weeks, and I hope they've taken root in your heart in one way or another. But I have to tell you, all of these are platitudes if you do not engage. I'm just not sure that they matter. I mean, we can put them on T-shirts. We can put them on mugs. We can put them on these weird cylindrical cups. We can do all that, but if you're not engaged in it, it really doesn't matter. If you don't engage in making these a choice for your life, for your value system, it just doesn't matter. We're just up here saying lots of words. We all have worked for companies that have the nine values and the seven pillars and the six things. and the Like, it's exhausting, right? All these things we're supposed to be. Um, but but these, these five end statements that are encapsulated in the word love well... This is what we're called to be. And if we can take these into our lives, we can realize that the world can actually change a little bit. Because you have to understand, I've said this a million times and I'll say it a million more, everything incarnates, right? Everything that you believe, everything that you value, everything that you trust, every one of these things incarnates into the world. It becomes real, it becomes flesh. So when these end statements and the concept of loving well becomes part of your value statement, it becomes flesh in the world through you. Every day, every moment. So we should ask the question, how do we live these end statements? And, and we do it pretty simply. And I mean, this is not a formula, but just some things to think about. The first way that we live these statements is by intention, right? Love doesn't happen by accident, right? What is your intent when you prayed this morning? What, is it, what, what, what do you ask for? What are the outcomes that you're hoping for? How do you, how do you intentionally think about how you're going to put these things into play in your life every day? What is the intention when you wake up? Because if, if it's not just a serendipitous moment that happens that we love well. It's a choice. And if you've been married for a long time, you know it's a choice to love every single day. 
And it's a beautiful choice. That choice leads us to habits. So we, we live these by habitus, which is just the Greek, or not the Greek, the Latin way of saying habits, but it makes me sound smart when I put habitus there. So that's why I did that. Because I thought you needed to know I knew something. It's the same word. Um, but when we, make, when we set that intention, we make the means to these ends your habit. It becomes your instinct. It becomes your go-to position in the world. Your first move is to move towards loving well, not anger, not frustration, not anxiety, but towards loving well. So by intention, by habit, and then by engagement, those habits lead you to opportunities to engage, looking for ways to employ and deploy these statements in your life. This is why we have a ministry fair. And like Mike said, we have a ministry fair. Chattanooga has a ministry fair today. Portland has a ministry fair today. Opportunities to get involved in the ministries that God is calling you to. Here's the thing. If you choose to be a consumer of church, that's all you will ever be. And in a, in a community like ours where there's so many churches around, let me tell you what happens. I've been here for a while now. What happens is you come and you like it and you think it's great and you come and you check it out and you see it. And after a while, our programming gets boring. That pastor seems like he's saying the same thing over and over again. And so I need to go look for some new stimulus. And so I just jump to another church where I can consume the product that they're beginning to create. If you don't engage in ministry, you are just a consumer. If you're a consumer, you know what we call that in the travel industry? Industry We call it a tourist. Right? And so what happens, by the way, have you, ever lived in a, have you ever lived in a place? My wife grew up in Hawaii where they had to deal with tourists all the time. Do you know how much locals love tourists? I mean, they like their money. But here's the thing. You'll just find another destination if you don't engage. It's not our fault. We're doing the same thing. I mean, it's not really your fault, except that you chose not to engage. And after a while, you got tired of living in a hotel, so you just, you know, kind of kept going. That's not the way we do church. That's not the way we do community. The way we do it is by engaging, right? So you set your intention, you begin to build your habits, and then you have an opportunity to engage. Once you engage, all of a sudden you stop being a tourist. You start living in the place where you want it to be. And when you do that, Here's what's fascinating. Once you start to engage, you realize that you're not doing this alone. You're doing it by partnership. Whether it's the people around you that are committing, whether it's the new people you're getting to know through the ministries that you're working with, whether it's through just the Holy Spirit, you know that you're not doing this by yourself at all anymore. You have been given the opportunity to do the work of God around the people that you love. And if you don't know them yet, they're out there waiting to love you and love you well. These are the ways we put loving well together in our lives. Now, it was funny. I, I was, sometimes you write sermons from texts. Sometimes you write sermons from topics. This is obviously a topical sermon. And so I was kind of looking around for a text. And Bryant Rodriguez, our campus lead out in um, Clinton, Massachusetts, one of our great guys. He was actually in Chattanooga. He's moved up to Clinton, Massachusetts. Great guy. He texts me earlier this week. It might have been last week. And he said, hey, what about this text to end the Lovewell series on? And I don't always like it when the Holy Spirit moves on somebody else. I'm the lead pastor. It's supposed to happen to me. But man, I got it, and I was like, uh, we're not even looking at the book of Ephesians. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to do it. But I want to leave you with this because when I clicked on the link and opened up these words, it just expressed everything that I wanted to say today. Ephesians 3, 14. 
It says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. When I think about what Crosswalk, what God has done through Crosswalk over the last seven years, and certainly before I got here, you know, the movement that's happening, the worship that's just incredible, the opportunity to grow the kingdom of God through other plants and through other groups, and just, I'm just grateful when I think of everything that God has done and is doing and will do, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I mean, the reality is none of this would have been possible had it not been for God. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. Now, I've worked in church a long time, and I've heard this about a million times. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough vision. We don't have enough. Listen, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, there is absolutely enough to do what God wants us to do. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See, that's the thing about community. When our roots grow down into God's love and when we do it together, our roots intertwine and, and we become that much stronger and that much harder to, to disentangle because we are committed to loving one another. We are committed to loving well. And, and when that happens, like community is different. Your life centers, like it becomes the organizing principle around your life and your life centers around something so very different than it had before. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. This is us just beginning to understand a maturing faith, a fearless faith, a hopeful faith, understanding how much it is that God really, truly loves us, even when we don't feel like we should be loved by God. Even if we don't know why God loves us, which Paul speaks to next. He says, may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you'll be made complete. Not, not you'll be made complete when you figured it out. You'll be made complete when you just accept that you have been fully loved. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Man, we think, we expect so little from God. We live our lives as if he can't be bothered by what we're doing or that he's not interested in who we are becoming. But Bible speaks clearly that that is just not true. That we need to ask great things from God because God asks great things from us. And he not only asks great things from us, but he empowers us to be able to do those great things. 
Everything that you want to see happen in your life can happen because God is there with it. Now, you got to be clear on what it is you want because God is not just here to serve you, but you're here to serve him. So when your will becomes God's will, then anything is possible. And when this happens, man, your life doesn't look the same anymore. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul writes these words because he wants you to understand that all the great things he's done pale in comparison to what God has done. And that God will do even greater things through you when you open up yourself to him. Just to accept the love that he has, not to fully understand it, but just to accept it. And as you do that, you begin to move and recognize, hey, this God that I serve, this Jesus that I speak about, that's beautiful. His name is beautiful. It's incredibly gorgeous because he loves me so much. Friends, I'm not asking you to understand why God does what he does. I'm not asking you to know why God has moved so powerfully within Crosswalk over the last few years. I'm not telling you to get it. I'm not telling you to make sense of it. I'm telling you that it's true and that God loves you and he is fully invested in you. So as we sing this song together today, as we end, as, as we open up our hearts to his beautiful name, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is leading this community. It has for the last 18 years, it will for the next 18. And what he has in store for us is greater than what we ever thought to think of or to ask for because God's vision is so much greater than our vision. So stand and sing with us today.